Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Let's start with Eid Mubarak to everybody. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala fill your day with happiness. Whilst we're greeting Eid Mubarak, can everybody just stand up just like I am, please? Let's continue with the takbir. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. La ilaha illallah, Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar, walillahi alhamd. I can't hear you. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. La ilaha illallah, Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar, walillahi alhamd. Make the shaitan cry today. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. La ilaha illallah, Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar, walillahi alhamd. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. La ilaha illallah, Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar, walillahi alhamd. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. La ilaha illallah, Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar, walillahi alhamd. One of the first things that we learn as Muslims and we teach anyone who converts as well is about the five pillars of Islam. Am I right or wrong? One of the first things we probably learned and anybody asks us about Islam or Islam, this is what we say. They know about the five pillars of Islam. And if we look at the five pillars, we understand Shahada being the first one. We understand how it's a pillar of Islam because Shahada, the belief that we have without that, none of your other actions are accepted. It's with you 24 seven, isn't it? And we understand how that is a pillar of Islam, that without that, there is no Islam 24 seven. Similarly, Salah number two, we understand how Salah is a pillar of Islam. Because Salah is five times a day, it grounds a believer. And every few hours, you have to keep coming back to your Salah. You come back to your Salah, you come back to your Salah. Thus, we understand how Salah is a pillar of Islam. And then we have the fast of Ramadan. Every year, you see the atmosphere, you see the buzz. It just changes everybody. And everyone's fasting for a whole month without any exceptions, unless somebody's really ill, but everybody else is fasting. And we understand how fasting is a pillar of Islam. And then comes the issue of zakat. You're either giving zakat or you're receiving zakat. Everybody is impacted by the zakat every single year. It comes year in, year out. You must give your zakat. And then we have, what do we have? Hajj. Now, Hajj is a bit different. Hajj is only obligatory upon those people who can physically, who are physically well and financially they can afford it. And it's only once in a lifetime, five days of your entire life. And there are millions of people, Muslims, who pass away 
without performing the Hajj and they're not sinful because it was never obligatory upon them. My question is, how is then Hajj a pillar of Islam? We understand Shahada as a pillar, Salah as a pillar, and fasting as a pillar, Zakat as a pillar. How is the Hajj a pillar when it's only carried out once in a lifetime, all of over five days, and you have to be able to afford it. And there's millions of people leaving the world and they will never do Hajj and Allah will not question them because it was not further upon them. So how is Hajj a pillar of Islam? Now, the way to understand this, are there any benefits to the Hajj? What are the benefits of Hajj? And how is Hajj a pillar of Islam? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is Al-Hakim. He is the most wise. And when Allah ordains something, there is always so much wisdom and good reason for everything. One of the verses in the Quran says, the reason for the Hajj is, So that these people can benefit from the benefits of Hajj. And remember, these benefits of Hajj are not restricted to those going for Hajj. The benefits of Hajj are not restricted to those going for Hajj. Everyone knows somebody who's gone for Hajj. You must know somebody who's gone. If it's not someone in your immediate circle, it may be a neighbor, it may be a work colleague, maybe a distant relative, maybe a friend of a friend. We all know of people who've gone for Hajj and we're following the Hajj and we are in the days of Hajj and we are experiencing the Hajj right now as we are sitting here and we'll be receiving the people coming back from the Hajj. Now, what is the benefit? So we're going to go through some of these inshallah to understand how Hajj is a pillar of Islam and the benefits of Hajj are so immense that you don't have to be in the Hajj to experience the benefits of Hajj. Number one, the first benefit of Hajj, huge benefit of Hajj is every year Hajj comes to remind us of the day of judgment. Every single year, whether you're in the Hajj or you're not in the Hajj. Every year the Hajj comes to remind you and me of the day of judgment. How do we know this? Because the Quran mentions, why should we remember the day of judgment? Why? Those people who became deviated from the path, they engaged in those activities that were displeasing to Allah and they earned His wrath. Why did this happen? Because they forgot about the day of judgment. They forgot that one day they will stand in front of Allah and they will have to answer. You tell me, let me ask you a question. If you were mindful of the day of judgment and the life of the hereafter, as soon as you woke up in the morning, would you miss your salah? Would you swear? Would you eat haram? Would you engage in haram business? Would you deal with your family members or work colleagues in a manner that is not suitable for a Muslim? Would you commit a sin if you were conscious about the hereafter? The fact that you have to answer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So remembering the hereafter is extremely beneficial for a believer. It's a must, it's mandatory. And the Hajj does this for you every single year. Every single year, the coming of Hajj reminds us, it's a constant reminder and it keeps us grounded that when on the Hajj, what happens? On the Hajj, we notice when people gather and the crowds gather, before you even leave for Hajj, what happens? Let's look at the Hajj's journey. The person saves all his money and before he's going to leave, what do you do? You go to relatives, you go to family members, 
you call people and you say, forgive me. Forgive me if I've said anything. Forgive me if I've done anything. I don't know if I'll be coming back. Here, I borrowed this from you. I want to return this. I want to go clean and I want to come back clean. Isn't this what a person leaving the world does? Makes a will and a wasiyah that look, if I don't come back, if you don't see me, if I don't recover from this illness, then here, these, these are my accounts. And a person wants to clear everything, forgive everybody. So this person is now going and has gone. And then what kind of clothing do you get into? The ihram. Doesn't the ihram remind us of the day of judgment? That when we are going to go in our graves, we'll be wearing these two pieces of cloth. The hajj comes to remind you and me every year of the day of judgment. And then just like in the, in, in, in the ihram, you are helpless. You can't cut your hair. You can't apply perfume. You can't do so many things. And like that, when a person will be in the kafan, you'll be helpless. There'll be certain things you want to do, but you won't be able to do. Hajj comes every year to remind us of the day of judgment. Similarly, when you get to Mina, sorry, when you get to Mecca and you are going around the Kaaba or you're going between Safa and Marwa, the millions of people that you see that reminds you, what does it remind you of? It reminds you of the day of judgment when people will be gathering and running to, from one prophet to another prophet, from the second one to the third one, then eventually to the Prophet ﷺ. Hajj comes annually to remind all of the believers that this world is not everything. There's a great day that is about to come and that is going to be the final day, the day of judgment. And then the real life starts, the life of the hereafter. Similarly, before going for Hajj, how many of us read, we study, we read books, we attend lectures and seminars, we watch videos, all well and good. But has anybody read what does the Lord of Hajj say regarding Hajj? Have we ever heard anybody saying that I'm going to read what the Lord of Hajj said about Hajj. People attend book to, uh, seminars, very good, read books, we should do that. But if you open the Quran, the Rabb of Hajj, what does he say about Hajj? Now in the Quran, you will not find Surah to Shahada, you will not find Surah to Salah, you will not find Surah to Saum, and you will not find Surah to Zakat, but you will find Surah to Hajj. And when you open Surah to Hajj in the Quran, there's no mention of Mecca, Mina, Muzdalifa, Arafat in Surah to Hajj. No, none of it, or the Jamarat. But what you will find is when you open Surah Al-Hajj, it opened the opening verses, Ya ayyuhal nasu attaqu rabbakum inna zalzalata sa'ati shay'un azim. The Quran says that, O believers, O people, fear your Lord and know that the earthquake that is going to take place on the Day of Judgment is going to be very, very severe. And then Allah goes to give descriptions of that final day. يَوْمَ تَذْهَلُ كُلُّ مُرْضِعَةٍ عَمَّا أَرْضَعَتْ وَتَضَعُ كُلُّ ذَاتِ حَمْلٍ حَمْلَهَا وَتَرَ النَّاسَ سُكَارًا وَمَا هُمْ بِسُكَارًا وَلَكِنَّ عَذَابَ اللَّهِ شَدِيدٍ In Mecca, you're making tawaf. You're grabbing onto your mom's hand or your child who is with you and you're not letting go. Why? Because you don't want to get them to get lost. And Allah is saying in this ayah of the Quran in Surah Al-Hajj that that day is going to be a day and Allah puts before us the picture and the image of the most intimate bond two humans can have in this world. And that is a mother breastfeeding her child. Allah speaks about this in the Quran. The most intimate bond between two human beings in the Quran shows extreme love and care. Quran says that is the day 
when a woman feeding her child, when she hears the terrifying sound on the day of judgment, she will throw the child away. If she's pregnant, she will miscarry immediately. In the Hajj, you're grabbing onto your family members. But the Hajj comes to remind us that these same people, if you saw them on the day of judgment, you will flee from them and you will run from them. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the understanding. So every year we see the Hajj. And when you see the three million people gathered, the message to you is, you think three million is a lot? A day is going to come when you're going to see a gathering of not three million. You're going to see everyone from Adam alayhi salam till the last and the final person. Annually, the Hajj comes. One of the reasons is to remind you and me regarding the day of judgment. And this is something the Hajj is teaching us about. And also, when we're in Mina, when we're in Arafat, many people say it's so hot. It's too hot. I can't bear the heat. And that also reminds us that on the day of judgment, the sun is just going to be one mile away and people will be sweating. And then when we don't get our luxuries and comforts, maybe your tour operator, your group organizer promised you something and you didn't get it. And people start complaining, oh, there's no Wi-Fi in Arafat. Why is there no Wi-Fi in Arafat? These are the, these are the kinds of complaints we have nowadays. There's no Wi-Fi in the plain of Arafat. Why did I not get provided Arafat? They promised me chicken and they gave me meat. Why did they do this? I wanted my chicken. These are, imagine your grandfather or your great grandfather whom we used to take months and months and months to arrive to Mecca from whichever country they were traveling to. And sometime by the time they would get there, the Hajj would be over. So they had two choices. Either they go back and it takes them months and months and months to go back or they have to end up staying until the following year to complete the Hajj. Imagine they heard our today's complaints that there's no Wi-Fi in Arafat. So number one, the Hajj comes annually. Why? To remind you and me of the hereafter. Number two, the second major lesson of the Hajj is the Hajj comes annually to remind us that we are a united Ummah. We are a united Ummah, that we are one, we are equal, and there is no uh, difference based on just because of skin color, ethnicity, background, that doesn't matter. And the Hajj displays this every single year, not just for those who are in the Hajj, but even those who are globally throughout the world. We witness the Hajj. We know the types of people that go for Hajj. When you're in the Hajj, you're standing exactly in the same place, wearing the two same pieces of cloth. And next to you could be a billionaire. And next to the billionaire could be a poor person. They're both standing exactly in the same row, wearing the same type of clothing, which comes to show us that whether you're black or you're white, you are male or you are female, you're an Arab or a non-Arab. In the sight of Allah, everyone is the same. Everyone is the same. This is actually a disease. It's a disease. Racism is a disease. When we judge people and we discriminate based on people's ethnicities, the Prophet ﷺ once heard the Sahaba. Some of them were saying they were they were making these calls and they're saying, Yes, the Muhajireen, Muhajireen, we are the Muhajireen. And the Ansar were calling to their side. And the Prophet ﷺ said, Zaruha fa innaha muntina. He said, Stop this behavior. It smells. It's despicable. Don't go near it. The first person in history to speak out against racism 
was none other than our beloved Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. It was during the Hajj, wasn't it? When he stood in that plane and he said, there is no virtue of an Arab over a non-Arab and a non-Arab over an Arab, of a white person or over a black person, of a black person over a white person. Everybody is the same in the sight of Allah. Nobility is based on your taqwa and nobody can see that. Nobody, only, only Allah knows the taqwa in the heart. So in the eye of Allah, every single person is the same. So that when we go for Hajj, we learn this lesson. So when we come back to our communities, we don't discriminate and say, this person is this and this person is this. Well, I'm not going to go to this person. Or I'm going to avoid this person just because of their race, the color of their skin or what they choose to eat at home. Is this really something we should be judging people on? And a lot of times we have this in our mind. We've created this superiority in our minds. On the day of judgment, Allah is not going to look at what you thought about your skin color or what you ate at home or what language you spoke. One of the reasons we have the Hajj is Hajj comes to teach us every single year that this is a united Ummah. Otherwise, Allah would have said, right, December is for the Arabs. And then January is for those from Pakistan. And then choose uh, 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 February is for the people from Indonesia. And then March, right? You go if you're from Africa. Allah would have done this, separated everybody. If this was the, the what we're this is what we're trying to create. We're trying to create these divisions amongst the Ummah. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala invites everybody in one go, in one place, regardless of who you are. You're one of Allah's people. And the only reason Allah has made us look different is so that we could reckon. Imagine everybody looked the same, right? That would be crazy. Just think about it. How, how would we get by? Allah says, the only reason I've made you different in terms of your cultures, in terms of your traditions, in terms of your backgrounds, in terms of your ethnicity, is so that you can recognize each other. If everybody was the same, then there would be no recognition. The world wouldn't work in that way. So this is the only reason we don't base merit on ethnicity. And this is one of the huge and major lessons of the Hajj of us being united so that when you come back from the Hajj, when you go into your communities, you can live united in a diverse community. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the understanding. The enemy is taking advantage of our disunity. Now more than ever before, it's time to unite. Let's put our differences aside. And what differences do we have? They are so small. They are so petty. They are not even worth speaking about. It's usually something so small. It's not even something that matters or makes a difference. But we hold on to them as if it's a life and death situation. We hold on to it as if it's going to be the deciding factor whether we go into hell or heaven. In reality, when you think about it, they're not major issues. We need to agree to disagree on certain things. And generally, we agree on most things and Alhamdulillah, we move on. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us this understanding. Another lesson the Hajj comes to teach us is to remind you and me that we are the slaves of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Every year the Hajj comes to remind you and me. What are some of the benefits of the Hajj? That you and I are slaves of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When we go to Mecca and we make the tawaf, Somebody could say, why, why seven times around the Kaaba and not five times? What do, does anybody say that? Does anybody say that? Or oh, we're told seven times is one tawaf, we do seven times, right? 
Somebody could say, why, do I, why should I pick up a stone and then throw it on another stone? Nobody asked that question. What's the reason? What are we displaying in the Hajj? The Hajj is teaching you, wa Why should I shave my hair? I want to keep my hair, I like my hair. No, nope, nobody asked that. Everybody shaves or trims their hair. Hajj comes every year to teach us. In Makkah, you get so much reward, 100,000 for one salah. But you're being told that on the 8th of Dhul Hijjah, you cannot stay in Makkah. Go and stay in Mina and pray your salah there. Nobody says, mm, but you get more reward in Makkah. No, what are we doing? We're obeying the command of Allah. We're displaying our loyalty and the fact that Allah is the master and I am the slave. We are displaying Sami'na wa Ata'na. By doing this during the Hajj, throughout the five days of Hajj, ensuring that we follow the command of Allah, we listen and we obey so that when we come back again into our communities and somebody tells his brother, this is halal, this is haram. What do we do? Sami'na wa Ata'na. We don't say, oh, I don't understand this. This doesn't make sense to me. This is not for me. You guys, ah, I don't, I don't, I don't, this, I, you know what? I've never understood this about Islam. I'm not going to do this. This is not for, I'll do everything else, but not do this. This is our attitude. Whether Quran is teaching us, Sami'na wa Ata'na. We listen and obey. If Allah and His Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam tell us, then we will listen and we will obey. And the final lesson I'm going to mention regarding the Hajj is if Hajj teaches you something, it teaches you sabr. Anybody who's been for Hajj, you speak to them, you ask them, is there any advice you can give me? You know what they will tell you? Almost everyone will tell you, learn to be patient. Learn to be patient, have patience. Because Hajj will test your patience. Not everything goes according to plan. There are millions of people there. And even though everybody tries to ensure everything goes smoothly, a lot of times it doesn't happen. And you get people from all over the world with different kinds of temperaments. In one house we struggle. Imagine these are millions of people from all over the world. So when you run out of patience in the Hajj, you know what you need? You need more patience. When you run out of that patience, you need a bit more patience. Keep feeding your patience. So when you come back to your communities, and when you interact with your family members, members of the community, your neighbors, people at work, you learn to be patient. You learn to be patient. This is another lesson of the Hajj. And remember, if somebody does end up in the Hajj, it's a privilege. It's a privilege. It's a bounty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Don't think that, oh, because I have the money or the passport, this is why I ended up in the Hajj. Wallah, there are people in the world who have the money, who have the luxury, but they haven't made the intention for Hajj. So on this, I conclude by mentioning that many people go for Hajj. Very few come back with the Hajj. Many people go for Hajj. Very few people come back with the Hajj. Now, if you haven't done your Hajj, if you haven't done your Hajj, this is an opportunity for reflection. If you can afford to go, if Allah has blessed you, nowadays the, the average cost we're seeing is around 10,000 pounds. If you're physically able and you have that kind of money or you can get kind, that kind of money together easily and you haven't done your Hajj right now sitting in this gathering, you need to make an intention that next Hajj, you're going to be in Mecca, inshallah. Say inshallah. Do not delay it. Do not delay it. This is a pillar of Islam. Do not delay. Just like Salah is a pillar. You fast, you don't think, oh, I'll fast next year. You don't, when Ramadan comes, you don't think, ah, oh, let me keep it next year. When you, as soon as you have the money and the time for Hajj comes, you must go. You must make that intention. Sayyidina Umar radiallahu ta'ala said, 
anybody who can afford to go for Hajj and doesn't go for Hajj, then you can die as a Jew, you can die as a Christian, you can die on any other religion, you won't be dying on Islam. Serious, this is serious. And then on the flip side, we know that anybody who goes for Hajj and performs a good Hajj, you will come back like a newborn baby. Allah wipes away all of your sins and you'll become one of Allah's favorite people representing the whole of the Ummah at the Kaaba of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The du'as you are making are being readily accepted. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept us all for the Hajj of His sacred house. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept everybody who has gathered in Makkatul Mukarramah uh, performing the Hajj. May Allah accept their ibadah. May Allah give us a share in their du'as as well. Jazakumullahu khairan wa akhiru da'wana. And alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin.